Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 100. Can you believe we made it this far? Certainly cannot. It's pretty incredible. 100. But we didn't really do the first 50 or something. Something like 70. (laughs) It doesn't totally count. (laughs) Episode 100 of the Mountain Bike Podcast, and this is going to be a unique one. We have a special guest hailing all the way from... Morgan Hill, California. Morgan Hill. We have Brad Waldron, who is the founder and CEO of Cali Protectives. So we're going to talk about mostly helmets. Go figure. Go figure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited to talk about that. Everyone who rides a mountain bike wears a helmet. It's a very important piece of gear for all of us. And yeah, we're going to basically just drill Brad with uh, every possible question we can regarding helmets, helmet technology, helmet maintenance and care. I don't know. What else? Uh, How often you should get a new one. All sorts of things. Did you say that? What color is fastest? What What color is fastest? fastest? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to stop there. <laughs> uh, be- before we jump into helmets, let's quickly mention that uh, some other exciting things happened, which hasn't happened in a while. New products in the bike industry. Mm-hmm. New bikes. Mm-hmm. Yeti released how many bikes? Three, Three bikes. bikes. Three all new bikes. All 29ers. All 29ers. Uh, one, SB 120, 140, and 160. Pretty awesome. And you guys went there. We you, went to Colorado. And Liam, you we went did to, uh, a top secret mission to Yeti headquarters mm-hmm. in Golden, Colorado. Rode some uh, we got to bikes, ride some bikes. And checked them out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they're felt nice. Like I was in a, I was in like a top secret military facility, eyeing a certain. Yeah, Yeti likes to Yeti, behave Yeti. that way, <laughs> yeah. as if they're selling ballistic missiles to the yeah, government. NASA, or something. full NDAs, signed my life away. Yeah. Um, not right. really, but <laughs> the bikes look really good. I'm impressed. Good. I mean, they're definitely a really nice refinement to what they've had prior, and uh, people seem to be loving them in the comments. Other than, other than, uh, not so happy about the price. Yeah, usual right. suspect. Price and weight. Well, those guys have allowed us. So yeah, yeah, right. Uh, weight is just weight is so seemingly irrelevant, and no one even talks about weight anymore. Yeah. No one even discloses frame weight, which no. yeah. that's the only thing that's really on Yeti's end is the frame weight. Yep, and I think yeah. frame weight's the least. Like, it matters probably the least. I mean, rear unsprung weight, maybe, but, yeah, yeah. it's the most stationary part of your bike, so. Yeah. But, yeah. Bikes, bikes look good. We've got three yeah. separate YouTube videos where Jared himself goes wow. into extensive detail <laughs> to tell you about those three bikes. Yeah, that's right. Brad, have you ever had a Yeti? I have not, but I've seen the ones out here. I'd like to talk about those. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> You're currently on a, a pivot switchblade, right? I am. Yeah, Jared and I just got to ride with Brad. We we showed him some of the local trails, uh, three little short downhill trails that are local in the in the Newberry Park here. Uh, did you like them? What'd you think? I definitely liked them. Yeah, it's a good place cool. to ride. Yeah, it's nice. fun. it's a fun it's fun because it's social and it's they're cool and unique and I don't know I I enjoy riding there. But I told Jared I was like let's just go to Water Tower. He's like no I don't want to go there. <laughs> I've never been a more adventure for you, you know, I was yeah. like, well, how often is he in town? You know, like show him the goods, yeah. but we didn't have a ton of time. So come back on a Saturday and we'll yeah. do a big old huge loop in the Santa Monica mountains. Yeah. But just got a little teaser. You just got to ride these little trails and look at the Santa Monica mountains. <laughs> it was a beautiful night. So yeah, it, was, it was no nice. complaints here. Yeah. That sunset yeah. Yeah. It was, was just sh- about perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. That was really nice. I love riding bikes. It's quite yeah. fun. Yeah. We got to, we got to test out the new Cali Cascade helmet. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was great. Which which I've been eyeing. So, little backstory: uh, how how Brad ended up here. Uh, let's see. About 
three months ago, I was I was in a search for a new helmet, and I could I just had trouble finding things that fit my head and something that I liked. And uh, I walked into our showroom in the California store, and I saw one of Cali's Maya 3.0s, and I was like, whoa, this looks sweet. This has come a long way since the last time I saw a Cali helmet, tried it on, it fit, and I was like, oh, I'm going to try this one. And it must have been the third or fourth helmet that I'd tried. I was just trying a bunch of different ones to see what I liked and what fit. And uh, I was I was like, wow, this is really nice. And I happen to know John Sachs over at Cali. What does John do? He is our national sales manager. National mm-hmm. sales manager. So John Sachs has known me since I must have been 14 years old. So my very first job at a bike shop locally here uh, when I was a teenager, John was a J&B rep. J&B is sort of a behind-the-scenes distributor of bike parts. And uh, John would come in every week and help the owners there figure out what they needed to buy. And he would just hang out and, and chat. And he was just the most personable, cool dude ever. And I've, I've known him ever since. And then he went to KHS after yep. that. Yeah, yeah I was, was going to say, I think I met him at KHS when yeah. I was probably 14 myself <laughs> at a bike shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows John yeah. Sachs, man. He's such, he's such a cool yeah. dude. And then did he go right to you after KHS? Yeah, we, uh, we stole him. Yeah. <laughs> we took him. No, he he needed to move. Uh, family issues moved, and so we, you know, he'd been an outside rep for us for five, six, seven years. And mm-hmm. I mean, I traveled with him a few times, and it was awesome because he'd walk into a store and they'd go, "Oh, it must be Tuesday at ten because John had his route, and he yeah, made sure yeah. that he was on time. And you know, sometimes you travel with with reps, and it's like, oh, well, let's go here today, or let's go there. But John had it dialed. Yeah, yeah, John's so cool. So, so I I ran into John. It must have been 2018 at a it was called Saddle Drive Bike Industry Event, and that's where I briefly met you, Brad, in person, and one of your other guys that that uh, works for Cali. And remember just hanging out with John and and just talking helmets because it was you know kind of you know he just wanted to tell me everything about Cali and all this stuff, and we just had a great time. And it was really cool. It was cool to just catch up with him and then talk to you briefly and talk more about helmets. And I don't know, I I learned a lot a lot of stuff that night as we kind of sat and had cocktails and talked about mountain bike helmets. And and uh, it was kind of always on my head. I was like, wow, these these guys really are into this. I was like, you know, <laughs> they're really seriously into this. And it, it is a curse. Yeah. <laughs> Blessing and a curse. Yeah. But it, it just, you know, hanging out, it, it kind of, and talking to John, and it was just, I don't know, it exposed me to kind of some more of the behind the scenes stuff that happens. And it it made me start to think more about these helmet testing standards and how helmets are marketed and how they're not able to be marketed. And there's caution around all that. So it was, it was just cool. But um, you know, so anyways, that was 2018. And then recently I put on that Cali Maya helmet and I was like, oh, I like this thing. And so I emailed John. I was like, Hey man, what's going on with you? I was like, what do you think of this Virginia tech standard? I saw that Cali wasn't super high on there. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. But I got to tell you over the phone or something. And I was, I was like, Hey, you should come down and get on the podcast. He's like, I'll do you one. I'll do you one better. I'll send down the seat. You ought to be on your podcast. Oh, great. <laughs> Where's John now? Where's John when I Where's need him? John now? He's probably At watching home. a sports game yeah. right now. Yeah. 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 I think he's waxing his snowboard. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, so anyways, that's how Brad ended up down here. So thanks for coming, by thanks the way. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, I, I definitely think this is an interesting topic for mountain bikers to learn more about and, and something that's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot to it. We're going to try and stay high level and, and bring some value in regards to helmets and hopefully not get too deep in the weeds, although that's Brad's specialty. What did you, you you told me earlier, you said most helmet companies should have a CEO that's a marketer and not an engineer. And I said, but you're an engineer. 
Yeah. <laughs> I always say that uh, you should have a sales guy or a marketing guy as your CEO because um, I get too much in the weeds sometimes and, and you know, not as much about profits as the CEO really needs to think about. Um, but as long as I'm in this seat, that's not going to change. It's going to be yeah. safety first. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's that's probably a, a very – I would imagine that's a very different scene when you go over to other companies that sell bike helmets or helmet technology that are publicly traded and beholden to quarterly earnings reports and that whole level of shenanigans. Um, I like that, so I appreciate those comments. Well, since we're on that topic, let's talk about the disclaimers. Okay. So what what are you – as as a you know CEO and founder of a helmet company, what are you allowed to say, not allowed to say, or maybe maybe afraid to say because of legal reasons? And and once I was heard about this, I was like, oh, that actually makes a ton of sense. And I started realizing that all of this marketing is very vague. And I mean, <laughs> even you you look at you know huge companies in that in that industry that make helmets, and there really is not there, there's a lot of hoo-ha and beating around the bush and, and no, I don't know. So tell us about that. Sure. I mean, first of all, it comes down to people being concerned about lawsuits. You start making claims and saying I'm safer and lawyers get hold of that and they start, you know, they're going to, they're going to just crush you in a lawsuit. Right. So that, that fear comes into play. Then the, the reality is, is our testing is all over the place. Um, each test lab gives you different results. So, you know, what are you going to stand behind? So first and foremost, it is the, the the fear of lawsuits, right? We've been super lucky. We've only had one, and it had nothing to do with a helmet. It had something to do with a knee guard, mm-hmm. and it you know was really nothing. But um, you know, it is real for companies. I mean, we are in what I like to call litigation nation, and we you know we worry about those things, just like bike companies do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I'd, I'd definitely say one of the downsides to the U.S. is it's the most litigious country in the world, and there's a lot of shenanigans that happens here just because of that. Um, yeah, which is not cool. So anyways, in case you do accidentally say something is safer or better, <laughs> legal disclaimer. <laughs> legal disclaimer, yeah. <laughs> or, or we do also. We can't say that either. Or maybe we can because we're not the manufacturer. Who knows? <laughs> disclaimer, anything you hear on this podcast may or may not be the truth. But, you know, it's uh, still a podcast, so. (laughs) And you can listen to it on Spotify because they don't care. (laughs) And now, a word from our sponsors. Sorry for the interruption. Just a quick note to let you know Trail One Components is having a sale for the trails all November, where $2 per product sold will go to Trail Networks, and the whole catalog is discounted 20% plus. Trail One is a mountain bike component brand myself and the WC crew co-founded so we could make mountain bike parts that we have always wanted while simultaneously supporting the sport that we all love with a give back model to Trail Networks. It would mean the world to us if you scoped the Trail One website at trailone.bike. That's T-R-A-I-L-O-N-E dot bike. Thanks. And now back to the show. Well, let's let's do a couple quick and important ones on helmets. Jared, rapid fire. All right. When does a helmet need to be replaced? Time, crash, both? Let's talk time first. All right. um, there's been numerous tests done on 10-year-old helmets, 15-year-old helmets even. Uh, uh, Bicycle Helmet Safety Institute ran a bunch of those. Um, what it really comes down to is how the helmet has been handled. So if I take one 
that got stuck in my warehouse somewhere, it's going to test out pretty much the same, not pretty much the same as it did the day that it got into my warehouse. What really affects your helmet are is use. So uh, UV light, if you stick it in the back of your, uh, in the back of your car and mm. it, t- it takes heat, takes UV light that just eats up primarily EPS. So that's going to hurt it. So EPS just real quick, expanded polystyrene. That's yeah. the foam that is primarily used. Um, many people using other things now, including us. Um, but uh, it really comes down to use, how it's been handled, uh, you know, how you've handled it. If you're out riding a lot, like, you know, I hope we all are. Uh, some companies will say five years. Uh, I think, you know, they kind of got put, you know, in a corner and said, how long does this last? And some people would probably like them to say three so that you replace it more yeah. often. But it really comes solutions. down to how much you're riding it and how you're handling it for sure. Then we can get into the crash stuff. I mean, um, you know, we, I look at a lot of crash helmets. Um, we have a crash replacement policy, so I can actually study them. I do look at them. I cut them open to look at the crush, look at the, the breakage. But before you get into that, if you're at home and you're looking at your helmet and you've got a, any kind of crack in it, it's not going to withstand the same kind of uh, impact that it was designed to do. Um, there's many companies that are looking at materials that are multi-impact. Um, I do have a helmet on the motorcycle side that, uh, I can hit the same helmet 80 times or have hit it 80 times. Um, and uh, you know, but that's a special material that's new to the market, but your general bike helmets that we can buy from, you know, your, your nice bike shops, like you guys down to your Walmart helmet is normally expanded polystyrene. One hit wonder once one and done does a great job. Nothing dissipates energy quite as efficient at the weight that expanded polystyrene does. Hmm. All right. So one time, one hit, and done. Hit your head, replace it. That's it. So, oh, well, I was actually going to ask a question yeah. just like based Boy. on that. Is that basically like, uh, you know, compensating for the fact that you potentially could crash in the same place or for the whole the entirety of yeah, the, it really the does come down to the, the risk of hitting in the same place. Yeah. And, you know, getting all those crash helmets back, you, you see places that are very typical, your, your temple, mm-hmm. you know, because, yeah. you know, we're all, you know, in our heads when we crash, we we're trying not to put our hands out, you know, we're trying to roll with our arms in and, and what you do is you turn your head right there. And that's, that's a very typical spot. Hmm. Um, I mean, I've had though, I've seen, I've seen helmets with a big, smack on the top and i called the guy what the hell happened to you <laughs> it turned out a tree branch had fallen oh, on him whoa, while wow. riding wow. helmet was one of the most destroyed helmets i've ever got back and wow. it's like okay that's pretty damn rare but um Jeez. but yeah it, it is the risk of hitting in the same spot cool what's the likelihood um okay 50 50 yeah take that risk yeah yeah i don't have the answer These for that things one are not that expensive it's yeah. not worth that risk yeah. totally crashing your helmet just replace it yeah yeah right on uh, oh well. next one mm-hmm. how to care and clean and care for your helmet a lot of people ask that one okay so first of all i'll go back to what i said don't leave it in the back seat of your car yeah don't leave it in the sun leave it you know somewhere where you know it's going to not take any more additional abuse than what you're going to do when you're riding, um, mild soap. I mean, there are some things, helmet cleaners on the market. Um, I, I just say, take your, take your pad out, wash it with hand soap, let it dry and you're going to be fine. Right on. Yeah. Nice. Um, what 
are your thoughts on convertible enduro helmets? Uh, we know with a removable chin bar, safe or not, and are they appropriate for downhill? Okay, um, we do not make one, so we have uh, our our highly ventilated uh, models called the Invader. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually call it a full face trail helmet. I mean, guys, look at your yeti out here. Our equipment is getting so much better. I mean, and and we're riding in ways that we couldn't ride, you know, for me 15 years ago, you know, because our equipment's better. Um, so people should, well, I like to think you should want to wear a full face if you're hitting some pretty hard enduro stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a fan of the, re- of the convertible stuff because you've got all those mechanics close to your face. So on our invader, it's, it's fully around the, 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 the injection molded piece is a 360 all the way around your head. That's my preference. Um, I, I've, you know, played around with some other brands and, and seen it, and I have not been convinced yet that what they're doing is where I want to go. Um, if I get smarter and can figure out a way that I that I'm satisfied with it, then you know, then you might see one from us. But right now, we do a full 360 all the way around. I always ask the question and. There's probably you probably get a lot of responses to this and say, how many times you see a guy with his convertible chin bar on his back of his backpack climbing up the hill? Usually you put it on or you don't. Yeah, you, know, you yeah. have it or you don't. But that's you know that's kind of a personal preference thing for me. That just that if if you're going to put a chin bar on somebody, I want it to be as strong as as it needs to be. We test should be um we the invader we actually test to the motorcycle standard which is a little higher than the bike standard and wow. it can withstand that but nice. um it's just i like it if i'm going to put something in front of your face i want it to not be in question yeah or removable right i don't want to come off <laughs> yeah and having that removable chin bar and sort of all that i don't know what you'd call that hardware that connects the chin bar to the helmet and allows it to detach on and off yeah that is kind of risky right i mean I don't know. Come to think of that, is that is a lot of hard metal. Yeah, just Some of those things right by your face, stuff, you know. Yeah. So we prefer the 360 all the way around your head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure those guys did their homework and, you know, they've tested it. But uh, we like to go a little bit beyond those tests. Standards are one thing, and I know that's a subject we're going to talk about. Um, but testing beyond the standards is also a choice, and uh, I recommend it. Nice. Yeah. I dig that. <laughs> I recommend it. <laughs> Testing beyond the standards. I recommend it. I like that. Nice. Well, speaking of standards. Yeah. Speaking of standards. So, Liam, do you pay attention to much of these standards? Um, I've looked at them before. Um, as far as, I, like, do I study them? No. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I know even, so Trevor, one of our main mechanics in the California store, he would brought up the Virginia Tech rating yeah. not too long ago. Um, he also probably is more of a specialized fanboy than anyone else in the company. So well, he, did, he did race for them for like five years. So yeah, six years. and and uh, so he likes their helmets. And he mentioned he's like, hey, they they have the best rating on the Virginia Tech standard. And I was like, oh, all right, I'll look a, I'll look a little bit more into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think standards standards are one of those things that you know, going back to what I talked about earlier when I was talking to John uh, in. Uh, that was in Pennsylvania, that bike industry event. And, and, and I was, you know, he was telling me about how they create those standards and how, you know, kind of how old they are, how rarely they've been revised 
and and just the different things were involved in those standards and man it's it's almost so much to unpack that it just gets mind numbing because you think about well how tight did they put the helmets on the head is that a crash test dummy or is it an actual human head with skin there's like all these variables and it's like oh man do you want to go watch sports or something like it's just, <laughs> it's, it's a lot it's you you start to unpack that and you think, man, there's all these different standards and and the way they're actually testing them and how they're oh man, it's it's a lot. So I don't know, Brad, give us your take on what do you think? Do you, do you think any one of them is great? Do you think they all have merit somewhere, but pros and cons elsewhere? I mean, there's a ton, right? So Virginia Tech, and then that's just like, would you call it, that's not a standard? It's just like a testing rating, right? Yeah, they they've created their own uh, rating system. rating system. Uh, they started originally with football uh, helmets, and okay, that makes sense being Virginia. Yeah, Tech, right? and and a lot of their their data that they built to compare things to were came from football. Mm-hmm. So um, I really look at this stuff as comparative data. Uh, I test in a lot of labs around the world. Um, been doing a lot of testing recently at uh, the University of Strasbourg. Um, I like their methodology. They actually have a star system too, um, a numeric system that uh, rates helmets. Um, but their tests are different. You get different results there. We do some testing in – we've done some testing at the Imperial College of London, at their labs, as well as dynamic research in Southern California – and what's interesting, if you do tests all over, is you find different results in each of these labs. So that's why I focus on, you know, just comparative data and what can I learn from it and how can I make a, a different helmet. You know, you mentioned, you know, all these things that come out. I mean, our standards that we have to pass is CPS, CPSC, Consumer Product Safety Commission. Yeah, and that's only that, relevant in the United States, right? It's only relevant in the U.S. Um, those standards were basically written in the – early seventies where they dropped cadavers on their heads, you know, took them, dropped them down this elevator shaft and, um, and they were measuring skull fracture. And really it's surprising how little we still, we, we still know about the brain. It's, we're still learning. We're still trying to figure out, you know, there's even some discussions the other day that are we really measuring the right thing? Mm -hmm. Um, So they're still arguing that the, the, PhDs and professors, and I'm going to let them continue to argue. What we do need to do, what we do know, is we need to dissipate energy. We need to put. You know, I like to put softer things next to people's heads. Um, I think our helmets are too hard. It's because of that standard they found out, or dropping those cadavers. It took 300 G's worth of force to crack the skull. That became the standard. Huge amount of G's. 300, crazy. 300 G's is. Pretty much death. Yeah. Right. But how how often would that occur in a natural bike situation? Not that often. Yeah. I've heard numbers. Yeah, bicycle, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, motorcycle, yeah. Sure, sure, but yeah, bicycle, three hundred G's. I've, I've heard. I mean, that's numbers like right. one to two percent of all accidents. Maybe. Um, I do know a study from the Imperial College of London said that. Uh, 80% of all bicycle accidents are below 106 Gs. Yet all I got to do in the U.S. is send six helmets to an outside test lab. And as long as it does not exceed 300 Gs, I'm good to go. Hmm. So the, the question you want to ask of your helmet manufacturers, what more are you doing 
than just sending this to some outside lab and getting your results. And, and there are, there's, there's, I'm not here to tell you that Callie's the only one that does more. Um, there are other people that care. Um, you know, it's just, I go back to that CEO, uh, engineer in charge versus yeah, yeah. the the money guy. And, you know, I can just speak for us as we're going to go beyond, you know, worrying about what the standards say, because we know that, um, we're hurting people at, you know, 50, 60 G's, you're having some level of brain trauma. So we want to focus on that and expand the dynamic range of a helmet and not just be focused on making sure that I pass a, a test. Um, I'm not here to tell those people they're right or wrong. I just know what we believe and what we want to do is we want to, you know, we want to protect you from, we want you riding back as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Hopefully immediately. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's really interesting. I mean, I, I think one of the things for me, so I, before I actually rode mountain bikes, I rode motocross. That's what I did pretty much all as, as a child kid. And then as a te- early teenager, I got into riding mountain bikes and, and then it's downhill specifically. And it was kind of just like, Oh, I'll just wear this, my moto helmet for downhill. And then, then, you know, a couple of years into that, people were like, Oh, actually you shouldn't wear a dot helmet, DOT, right. Department of transportation. Yep. Like you shouldn't wear that helmet on a mountain bike because those are made for, you know, motorcycles driving on the freeway, not for mountain bikers riding downhill races. And I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense, but I don't know. And then it's just like one of those things you look into a little bit and you just – your eyes glaze over. But <laughs> it's, it's tough. So what where is where does that come into play, right? Because a lot of full-face helmets that are motocross-specific are DOT and Snell, right. and all of the mountain bike full-face-specific helmets are neither of those. It For me, it comes down to mass. You know, it's – simple physics, you know, force, you know, reduce the amount of mass and you're going to reduce the force. So, um, the DOT does some interesting things in helmets to make sure that the shell doesn't get penetrated, um, because you're out there on the road and you're, you might hit, you know, an object that'll Mm -hmm. penetrate. Um, that actually is extremely rare on top of that. Uh, but we can talk about that another time. So it makes you, it forces you to make the shell a lot harder in a DOT helmet, right? Because mm-hmm. we're trying to stop these these spikes that theoretically you might hit. Whereas, a, a, not that you can't hit a rock that's pretty spiky, but it's not it's not like the spike test that they drive a spike through. So, I like the the idea of lighter things next to your head. You know, just reduce the mass, and that's what the bicycle downhill helmets do. Is you have less mass on your head, so less mass is good. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you you had mentioned earlier while we were out riding that in Europe they have a you know significantly different standards than we have in the U.S. Um, and you'd said so the your guys is kind of flagship mountain bike helmet the Cascade is lighter. The European version is lighter. Yeah, generally you'll find that across not just our helmets, everybody's helmets yeah. that actually spends time designing both for Europe and the U.S. Um, they 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 had. They allow the foam to be a little bit lighter because they don't drop onto certain anvils that tend to pinch the helmets. They, you know, they drop onto it. It's called a curbstone anvil, like we do, um, and then on a flat anvil, like we do. Well, we also use this this hemispherical ball that's looks like the front of a '57 Chevy that comes in and will actually be more loaded in a very specific area, and you know. People can argue, well, that's possible. It's possible. Um, 
highly unlikely. Uh, I work with some accident recreation experts. You can get a PhD in accident recreation. Wow. And then make a lot of money in court. But (laughs) another story. And they'll tell me that, you know, both that spike test and that that 57 Chevy is not a a likely scenario. Hmm. Um, But, you know, the the standards people today kind of say, well, you know, we're going above and beyond. The problem for me in that statement is, well, you're also creating a harder helmet by having those tests. And I'm a big believer that our helmets are too hard. You'll hear me say when that you say over and over again. Our helmets are too hard. You're saying just like general. in the U.S. in general, Helm- yeah, bicycle helmets are too hard. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever brand you want to talk about, it's mm-hmm. based on passing the test to make sure that you don't go over the 300 CPSC Gs. Yeah. yeah. So and, and not fine. Let the standards be what they are. And as a as a member of the responsible helmet making club, uh, I'll say that. <laughs> just make that up right now. Yeah, I just did. I'm going to try and remember that for some other time. Uh, I'm going to say that you know we we just know that if we can lower the density of what we're putting next to people's heads, we're going to do better across the whole dynamic range instead yeah. of just one area. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. Um, I also just googled '57 Chevy grill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, is, is it isn't it the one the, the one with the two classic car enthusiasts out there? <laughs> uh, Maybe I got the wrong two, car. Two bulbous. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, did yeah. It? I, I think yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah, because yeah. you were talking about a more like rounded and yeah, 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 yeah like rounded. Uh, I'm not me. much of a car guy. I'm more like you. I'm more more of a motorcycle guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. on, you don't know what the front end of 50 Chevy looks like. Uh, my classic car knowledge comes from the uh, Disney Pixar movie Cars. <laughs> well, 57 Chevy might be what um, – what's the – whatever, off topic, but the cop drives. It looks pretty close to that. A the sheriff in town. Cars. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, this yeah. this grill definitely looks very similar to a lot of the grills in those in yeah. the Pixar movie cars. <laughs> <laughs> you would know a Pixar movie. Uh, I've been uh, on that ride at Disneyland many times. Awesome, <laughs> highly gosh. recommend it. Nice. Uh, <laughs> should we talk about Disneyland ride suggestions, or is that off topic? Yeah, that's gonna be another episode, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. So that's cool. That's I appreciate the unpack on on the standards and and the testing and I guess so when you say comparative data, you're like so when you look at the Virginia Tech rating, you know, you can kind of glean your own takeaways from the particular way they test each helmet. But I guess the the key thing for you is that they are testing all of these different helmets in the exact same way each time. Now, whether that testing methodology is actually relevant to the most common mountain bike crashes, right? That's kind of where this comes into play. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, even if you go on the Virginia Tech website and some of this other stuff, when you Google and you look at MIPS's website, all of these testing things, you look at this stuff and it doesn't look – That's it's just not that realistic. You have like a, a head with a helmet on it and it comes vertically down and it hits something. Like, and you've got accelerometers inside measuring. Like, there's no neck yeah. to deflect it. There's no, I mean, <laughs> the shape of rocks, the shape of, I mean, there's just so many variables here. It's it's crazy. But when I've watched some of these these little animations and videos on how these testing things are done, it's like, well, that's cool. But it also, you know, I don't know if it's not that exact crash in that exact scenario with a perfectly stiff 
uh, test dummy neck, then it's like <laughs> – Well, every, every crash is, is different. Yeah, right? And every scenario is different. You know how hard in a lab it is to hit the same spot on a helmet? It's not just, oh, I hit it there, I dropped it, but how you put that helmet onto the head form. Yeah, what, yeah. You, you can just change it just a little bit. We had a, a, a failure, and if you hit it just at the right angle and just right, and, you know, of course, we, we went in and we fixed it. Um, we actually reported it to CPSC and, you know, worked it out. Fortunately, they did not require a recall because it was so random yeah. and so, you know, un, really difficult to find. But we stopped and we redesigned that section and we moved on. But, yeah, yeah it's really hard to go in and, and exactly duplicate, you know, that you're hitting the exact spot yeah, each totally. time. So yeah. there's there's variances. It is interesting when I when I do go to different labs and I'll go, hey, I want to test this like this, and they always come back and go, well, we think you should test it like this. And the reason they say that is because that's how they get the results that they prefer. Yeah, you mentioned yeah, yeah. how hard do you tie to, tie a helmet onto that head form? I mean, I have seen tape around the whole helmet. I mean, how realistic is that? When you crash, you have how how you asked me earlier, how tight do you have your helmet? Yeah, yeah, the chin you know, strap. Yeah. The chin, chin strap. I like to put one finger between there. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be comfortable, right? And it's good to have your your fit system a little bit tighter so that it's not going to fall off in a crash, but it's be reasonable. We want to be comfortable when we ride, oh, right? Yeah. And and I think that that's really fu- that's fine. Just, you know, a little bit of space there, not drooping down with you can three, four inches in, but just, you know, a little finger in there and you're fine. No duct tape. No duct tape. Not <laughs> like in the lab. I've heard of certain <laughs> systems out there that actually really cranks down the helmet onto the head form so that they can, you know, get the results that they want to get. Yeah. Yeah. Super yeah, comfy. yeah. That's interesting. That your, your comment about, uh, Back when you were at Specialized, made me realize that I totally and accidentally skipped the first part of the podcast I had written down here, which was to just quickly go over <laughs> your your personal history. So you've got a, a storied past of a carbon manufacturing, yeah, <laughs> storied past, storied past, troubled past, yeah, yeah, better than troubled past. You know, I didn't say yeah, that. Yeah. Storied is well, no, I, I mean, so storied in, in my head when I said that is interesting, right? Because you you worked at Specialized. Um, with in a lot of their helmet stuff, and then you also had a carbon manufacturing facility in Asia. Mm-hmm. And give, give me, give me your, your, right. your, your. I know it's long, so, so I'll, I'll, through I'll do the, the quick, and you can stop me and ask me questions, so I won't bore you with too much with it. Um, I was super lucky. I uh, started out as an aerospace engineer, focusing on carbon fiber. Got to work on some really awesome military aircraft, um, B two bomber, F eighteen, uh, Joint Strike Fighter, that kind of stuff. Uh, being in R&D, unlimited timelines, unlimited budget, why would you ever leave that? Uh, I'm a cyclist, and uh, I had a chance to go to Specialize. They uh, <laughs> they hired me to be pumps and locks, and I was like, I'm going to take my 25% pay cut, and I'm going to go make pumps and An locks. An aerospace engineer hired for pumps and locks. <laughs> no, yes. And they're, they're dead serious about those pumps and locks. I, well <laughs> – Ironically, you make some of the best pumps on the market. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. You're a specialized pump fan. They are good. You're right. <laughs> Ironically, my first day, I showed up and um, they said, "Hey, you know, our helmet engineer quit before you had a chance to get here. Would you like that job instead?" I'm like, "Helmets, pumps, locks. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that." Yeah, a little oh, more meaningfulness yeah. on the helmet side. Oh, by the way, the technician quit too. 
Like, uh-oh, what's wrong with this place? We can talk about that for hours. We'll say that for another podcast. Uh, my experience in Specialized was nothing left of fantastic. Um, my departure was amazing. Um, I had moved on for family reasons, and they treated me super well. So we'll get that disclaimer out. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but so I, uh, interestingly enough, I had uh, like 10,000 helmets sitting ready to get shipped out, and they're like, you have to go into that lab and test these before we can release these. And I walk into this lab something I'd never seen. No, no, there's no test lab like this in aerospace. Right. So I go in there and I'm looking around and, and um, was fortunate enough to have uh, Dr. Terry Smith from dynamic research uh, come up, teach me on Saturday on a Saturday, how to run this equipment. And the best thing that I did was I stayed in that lab for a year. I'm a really mediocre engineer. I'm a really good technician. I like being in the lab. Somehow I was able to pass my exams and became an engineer, but mostly I'm a hands-on guy and I just like doing that. But the reason I say this, the best thing I did was I learned so much about testing. I didn't just send it into a lab and look at reports and things. I actually learned about how helmets are tested. So that was awesome. Uh, I, I mostly left specialized because um, I didn't want to travel. They wanted me to uh, – oh, I had progressed to be the director of engineering, and they wanted me to travel to Asia, and I was not interested in that job. So I, I gave my resignation. Um, took me nine more months to leave, and but it was on good terms. And then uh, and then somebody came to me and said, we need a carbon factory in China. Would you help us do that? And my first question was, how many times a year will I have to come? They said four. I said four. Okay, I, I can do four. Seven next somebody seven years. Outside of specialized. Somebody out. No, yeah, somebody yeah, unrelated okay. to specialized. Um, so uh, I, I, next seven years, 150 days a year in China. I'll <laughs> openly tell you, I wouldn't do it again. Yeah. No regrets. That's a different story. But it was it was very difficult. The factory did things like skid plates and pipe guards. KTM was one of our biggest um, customers, and then we started making helmet shells, motorcycle helmet shells. And uh, we sent them over to a helmet factory. And once again, I got dragged back into helmets. And um, But, you know, while we were making these helmet shells, I started looking at them and test results. And I'm like, why aren't you in-molding these like a bike helmet? And they all looked at me like, no, it's a processing problem. It's impossible. But coming from R&D, I'm like, let's try that. And so that's how Cali was born, was through once we figured out how to in-mold full shell helmets and we do it on our motorcycle helmets. We do it on our DH helmets is where we take the shell, you put it in the mold just like a bicycle helmet does. But now with a full shell motorcycle helmet, full, full shell helmet, and we inject the foam in place, it allows us to thin the shell down and make the foam softer. So back to that softer foam mm-hmm. thing, having a thinner shell is important because now it starts to crush faster, more immediate. If you have a super hard shell, that thing ain't crushing immediately. Right. So now you're depending on your head to get in there and start crushing instead of crushing both from the inside and the outside. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we started in motorcycles helmets first and, you know, we're still involved, but bike just took over and maybe that's because of my bike background. Um, but we're still in that industry as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, you guys founded Cali in 2008. Yes. Right. Okay, cool. Nice. I like it. Well, thank you for that. And uh, my bad for forgetting that whole history portion. <laughs> it's really irrelevant. <laughs> um, but it, it does kind of segue into 
uh, the next part, which is, yeah, to talk about MIPS and spin and wave cell and 60 and choroid, and then you guys call it LDL, low-density layer, low density right? Layer, so, yeah. uh, I mean, MIPS, man, they have made they have made a serious name for themselves in the helmet world, uh, mountain bikes especially. And I don't know, everyone kind of, I mean, I think, so Jared, you could you'd Instagram poll for questions for this podcast. Yeah. A lot of people mentioned MIPS. A lot of people mentioned MIPS. Yeah. And, you and know, in what fashion? They just said. Asking, uh, is it worth it to like get a helmet with it instead of without it, you know, as like an optional upgrade? Um, you know, what are the benefits? Like, can you compare it to, you know, certain similar technologies from other brands sure um that was kind of most of the you know the gist of the questions that we got about mips sure so mips was started you know it's a lot older than people realize dr peter holder at, at, from sweden uh came up with this concept and really focused on rotational forces or oblique impacts it's something that we were not talking about as an industry so you got to give him props for that because it's important. We need to reduce those rotational forces. So MIPS has, is basically um, a floating slip plane up against the foam inside mm-hmm. your helmet. So the concept is you have an oblique impact. That takes away those rotational forces. Um, we've tested MIPS. People ask me, why don't you use it? We've tested it. We do, It actually works. I'm not here to dispel MIPS as a as a – non-working thing. We choose not to use it um, for a couple reasons. Uh, I don't like putting a layer between your head and what's supposed to crush. That's why we go for a low density layer, something that actually will squish, whereas that actually slows down the crush a little bit. And my test showed about 10 to 12%. Um, Again, reduces those rotational forces. So we actually, being a lab nut that I am, we went in and we put different systems into three different helmets. Our goal was to see what system works best. And um, so on you know, one helmet, one time our low-density layer would be better. The next time, MIPS would be better. Another time, a uh, system called PIDs might be better. But just up and down all over the map, but all in the same range. And then we put it into another helmet, and it did the same except for it performed better overall with all the systems. And then a third helmet that performed way better than all of them with the same variations in that anti-rotation system. What was the difference? Uh, Foam density. This is really where my whole foam density obsession came from was these tests where I started realizing that it doesn't matter which magic system you put in. If you put softer things next to your head, it's going to perform better. We still have to take care of the high hits, so I like to talk about dynamic range, not just one part. So MIPS is very one-dimensional. It takes care of rotational forces, and it does it. It does it okay. It does I'll even say it does it well. Um, but I want to take care of low G. I want to take care of high G, and I want to take care of rotational forces. Yeah. All right. All right. Wouldn't I guess in my head I'm kind of thinking, what if you? What if you just took all these helmet technologies and stuffed them all into one? So, like, you took that choroid that Smith uses that's in a bunch of motorcycle helmets and MIPS and your low-density foam. Can you just make a super helmet? <laughs> Great. You know, <laughs> Can you make a patent-infringing times I, 10 I, super yeah, helmet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ironically, I had, uh, I had was speaking to Dr. Holder and Holden at uh, a Eurobike a few years ago, and, and I was 
spieling my spiel to him that like helmets are too hard. You know, we need to, we need to do better because we, you know, we think we're hurting people. And he actually said to me, well, those are two different helmets, that soft helmet for the low G versus the high G. And um, I don't know if he'll admit to this or remember this, but I said to him, I'm like, you invented MIPS. We're smarter than this. We can figure this out. (laughs) And he kind of, go go away, you bother me. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, I will talk helmet safety to anybody who wants to talk to me. I've had... Maybe they don't want me to tell you this, but I've had three Trek engineers in my office in Morgan Hill asking about what we do. Um, I've sat with Troy Lee in his office talking about what we do. I will, I will, I will invite you in to my world anytime you want to talk about safety. A lot of these things we do. Now you can argue whether you want to or not, and they, but um, I will. I will have these discussions when we start talking about environmentally friendly stuff that we're doing. I always joke because I'm like, we use some ocean plastics on the helmet that you guys wore today. Yeah. Ocean plastic visor. I saw that. That's cool. I'm not out there collecting plastics from the ocean. <laughs> I, you know, I work with a company called Ocean Works, and every company could do it. We use recycled EPS. Um, we get the we get the used EPS actually from a Toyota plant in the Midwest because it's actually pretty controlled. We bring it over to Ohio. That that's who we get our EPS process from and we mix it. Um, that is available to everybody else. You just got to choose to want to do it, you know, and, and it's expensive. I mean, this helmet that you guys wore today is $260. That is a big pill to swallow. I'm not lost on that. And, but when we were developing it, you know, you, you all sitting around and the marketing guys sitting around and the sales guys sitting around and they're all making their pitches. And in the end of the day, you know, it's like, look, we have all this technology, and if we don't try it now, and if we don't put it here, how are we going to know? And and so we found that the the recycled water bottle straps save the most CO two emissions of everything we do on that helmet. And so that was only thirty five cent addition to that helmet. So now I'm like, oh yeah, let's start putting this in all our helmets. And so we're slowly moving over to that. Can I put an ocean plastic visor on every helmet? No, that's, that's, that's a lot more expensive, but if you don't try, you don't know. And so big into the trickle down being in the motorcycle world helps a lot because our motorcycle helmets are expensive. Um, our new line is only carbon. It's, you know, going up market. It's funny. That's all people wanted from us. So I've got a warehouse full of horrible graphics that I'll never sell, but our carbon stuff is, is what people want, but we can experiment there because there's more room financially, frankly, to try stuff, try it. And if it works, trickle it down. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because the it's, when I think about motorcycle helmets, they're all way more expensive than bicycle helmets. And it, it, everyone just kind of accepts that. I bought a motorcycle helmet that was a thousand bucks and it was just like, well, it's, wow. just, it's a big purchase, but it's, you know, this is a motorcycle. It's like yeah. you're in the dirt, you're on the street, you're amongst cars. I don't know. It's just, it's, well, it used to be that motorcycles were a lot more expensive. Yeah, <laughs> now they're bikes. Motorcycles I used mean, to be more expensive. What's, you're right. what's that Levo cost now? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Right. That, nope. Yeah. Not meaning to. 
complain or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good point. Yeah, it's a good yeah, point. yeah, yeah. Motorcycles are uh, <laughs> on par with bicycle prices these days, yeah. which is which is yeah. pretty hilarious. I'm sure but. you could get a bike like a, a motorcycle helmet too. That's as much as a non bike helmet. Oh, but you, you can. Got a, you got a nice oh, yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, if you're willing to take that one, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what'd you I, get? What was it? Uh, the climb. Okay. Yeah. So climb. It's just like an adventure motorcycle helmet, but it has a transition visor or a cool. glass shield, yeah. which is super nice, right? That's super convenient. All the air vents, like it has choroid in it. I mean, it's just unbelievably comfortable. And and I was I was telling you earlier about one of the, my things that I was annoyed with with that helmet was it was the best fitting helmet. I really enjoyed it. Liked the look. Liked the transition. Um, and the downside was that I'm kind of a large. And in that helmet, I had to wear a large. Like, large was the right size, especially because I'm going to wear it for hours on end. You can't have that thing too small. And the their large helmets, it's the same shell, large to uh, double or triple XL. And so I look like a bobblehead wearing the thing. And because the size of my body, and then I'm basically wearing a you know, double XL shell. Whereas if I could have got the extra small, the medium shell, it would look so much better. But yeah. yeah. It's well, just, the best helmet you can have is the one you're willing to put on your head. Yeah, whatever brand it is, if you're stoked about wearing it, um, I, I'm I'm all for you. I'm I'm not going to sit here and say you got to have a Cali. I'm going to say put the helmet that you're that you're excited to put on your head, and it sounds mm-hmm. like you're excited to yeah put that climb good. on your head. So yeah, good on you. Yeah, yeah, I like that thing. So all right, well, cool. What what other what do you think, guys? What are the questions do we have that we want to we want to jump into here? Let's see. Well, I guess real quick, you kind of did already answer this, but just to confirm, if, you know, Cali aside, so you didn't own a helmet company, you're buying a helmet, um, one has MIPS, one doesn't, are you going to spend the extra cash on the the MIPS quote-unquote upgrade? Unfortunately, I have more information uh, than... You can't answer the question, can you? No, I mean, well, okay. your soul, the, I can the, see the, it. The answer is, is how's, how's the consumer to know, right? I mean, yeah. I have a bunch of technologies in our helmets that nobody can see. Yep. How, how do you know? I buy material from Italy, ship it to Ohio, mix it with my EPS, and then ship it to China. How smart is that? There's no CEO. <laughs> there's no yes. marketing sales CEO that would ever let that happen. You're not increasing your gross margin with no, that strategy. No, no. <laughs> Profit. Yeah. Yeah. So it, the, so to answer your question is you're, you're filled with marketing things that, that how are you to know? And, and MIPS has done a great job marketing. That is not to say that MIPS doesn't work. I'll go back again and say that MIPS does work. How much does it work? It's really questionable. Yeah, I, I, it's yeah, probably it's dependent from answer. brand to brand. Independent right? crash to crash. Yeah, I was yeah. say, right? Scenario specific. And, and I'll tell you, if you put softer foam and a MIPS piece in, I'm going to be happy too, <laughs> right? Because it yep. fits my need that helmets are too hard. And, and, and then, you know, then you're adding the MIPS layer in and that's fine. Um, but when you're asking me, would I buy one? Um, if I wasn't a helmet guy, yeah, I guess, because it's just so prevalent. You see that, that yellow yeah. dot somewhere and wh- what do you to know? And I've got, I got geometric shapes inside the, the EPS. So I do layered foams with the EPS is these cone structures. This was an, uh, an idea by an Australian physicist who did a lot of studies on children's bicycle accidents. And he's like, why are we still putting beer coolers on our kids' heads? Right. And he's like, so we came up with, <laughs> he said, why, you know, let's come up with crumple zones. So his idea was he 
calls it conehead because he thought it was funny, thinking you – know, but anyway. So he's got these geometric Australian shapes guy. yeah, <laughs> inside, and as these cones, you hit the top of the cones, the cones crush, and they help send energy laterally. And so it sends energy away from your head. It's inside. It's inside the helmet you wore. Mm-hmm. You're never going to see that. you got this cool yellow thing inside say, hey, that's safety. It's a lot easier to see than trying to tell a story about – why you know invisible shapes yeah invisible shapes and so um you know i guess you know the message i just want to tell people is we are doing the research we are doing the work we're working with people way smarter than me you know university research and professors and things like that and and other companies can do it too and some do few do (laughs) and and you know some don't Mm -hmm. all right cool well Let's get some rapid fire going. Awesome. Um, this seems like it's uh, this question is kind of relevant for you, Willie. I feel like for at me? some point in your life you wore a hat under your helmet mm. or a beanie. Mm. I just, I mean, I'll be honest. I just didn't wear a helmet when I was young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that. Well, I never did that on a mountain bike, but on a BMX bike. Yeah, oh yeah, BMX bike. I've got yeah. BMX. That is just a brutal. Well, it's like, like the most dangerous yeah. thing you can do on a bike. They have like nobody two serious yeah. concussions in one summer as a you know sixteen year old. So mm-hmm. yeah, not smart then. Um, the question is: Is it dangerous to wear a hat under your helmet? I'm assume yes. But uh, let's hear it from the expert. I would assume yes, too. Yeah. You know, how thick is the hat? Is it, you know, those kind of things? How fitted is it? Yeah, because some people wear those. The the roadies wear the, (laughs) you know. Oh, yeah. This little skin. I I actually just wore Isn't that your MIPS layer? (laughs) Yeah, see, yeah, you wore one of those. Is did, that your MIPS layer? I did, yeah, did I, I say that out loud? I did, just wear, I did just wear one of those little caps, but it was because it was 28 degrees out. Yeah. Yeah. It was freezing. Oh. But those caps are, they're, they're T-shirt thin, aren't they? Yeah. they're. No, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with those. With, like, those yeah, are really thin. I, yeah. I think this question is more like a, like a baseball. Like a baseball like you, yeah, right? the caps yeah. you guys are wearing, right? I think the, the biggest issue is how does it affect the fit? How yeah. is that helmet still sitting around your head? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, yeah, and, you have sized your helmet around that. Yeah. yeah. You slide so, right off. Like, you know, I like helmets that fit as close to the center of, like, in we're talking about rotational forces, right? The one thing that concerns me about your motorcycle helmet is if you have too much space, space, think about rotational weight in your wheels. We all focus on that. We don't talk about that in a, in a rotational crash. If you have a big helmet, you've got a bigger lever arm. If you've got a smaller helmet, you have a smaller lever arm and less rotational forces. So, you know, if you're wearing, if you like to wear a hat and you're wearing a bigger helmet because of it, you're actually increasing that size. Mm-hmm. And now, so we just like to keep, things as close to the center of rotation as possible, that's going to help you ro- reduce those rotation forces as much as many of these systems. Mm. Yeah. That kind of almost answers the next rapid fire question. What is the proper way to find the correct helmet fit? Probably the one that fits closest to your head and doesn't put you in pain. Yeah. Right? You don't, you don't want, you don't, you don't want a lot of room. You want to be able to, it's gotta be comfortable. Yeah. Um, I, I'll even admit quickly that, when Cali first started, I was so obsessed with safety. I was not as focused on, you know, the, the comfort as much as, as it's got to fit really tight and it's got to be, you know, perfect for every craft situation. But reality is you gotta, it's got to fit well. You know, the other thing I didn't focus on was colors and graphics and that didn't help either. But um, the idea is, you know, you 
do, I do have to take that engineering hat off occasionally and, and focus on some of those other things. But back to your point, you just want it to fit close to your head without being uncomfortable. You want to put it on. If, if you're, if you're, if you're the kid that's hiding your helmet when you leave the house because you don't want to wear it, that's not good. Yeah. I see those kids all the time around our neighborhood. You see those kids riding around on the scooters with the helmet on the Yeah, the helmet on the bars. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I grew up skiing. I still have a thought. I mean, skiing was my first love. I still have a hard time wearing a helmet when I ski. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I tried that. It's funny because in the motorcycle world, it's it's always disclosed. You know, like if you go on Revzilla, for example, shopping for a motorcycle helmet, they always tell you if it's oval, round oval, uh, or round. And they don't really do that for bicycles. So you just have you have no choice but to try a bunch of them on. Um, kind of like what I just recently did. I wore that. I think that Smith helmet looks cool. I wore. I couldn't wear that thing. It was yeah. well, one. I think that there's not enough pads in there. Um, but it was. It was such a circle. It just gave. It just put so much pressure on the front of my head and the back of my head that I was like, I got 30 minutes in this and I have a headache. Yeah. I couldn't wear that helmet as much as I thought the look was cool. Head shape's a battle for every company, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a never-ending. Yeah, battle. you're. You know, we've we've had a lot of success with that Maya that you talked about because it mm-hmm. has a. Fairly generous, genuous, generous. Yeah, there. I finally got the yeah, word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, generous fit that people seem to, to like and, and dial in. But you know, there are companies that do a more rounded fit. Um, some you know talk about Asian fit. So if you if you were to wear an OGK helmet, for example, they're all much rounder mm-hmm. um, versus the you know the traditional long oval of a European head. Um, yeah. It, Probably got to be much bigger than Cali to have a fit for this type, this type, and this yeah, type. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think we found a balance that hits the majority. Uh, we get very few complaints specifically about the Maya. We've got other helmets that we missed. You know, we're always trying our best, but that's everybody's head's a little bit different. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I learned that as a teenager working in a in a bike shop where there was a ton of foot traffic and people would come in and just try on this helmet, this helmet, this helmet, this helmet, and then finally be like, oh, that one fits nice. It's like, all yeah. right. You know, and there really wasn't much science to it other than like, okay, here's how this helmet thing works. Everyone's head's a different shape, and here's 10 brands in front of you and try all these on, which, <laughs> there, you know, there's some benefit to walking into a local bike shop that has a boatload of helmets to, to pull that off. Our local bike shop uh, is fortunately is right next to a really good tap house. And sit there. <laughs> so I, I'll go there and I'll just watch people go in. And, and one day there's the, uh, I, I won't mention the brand that they primarily push, but they were pushing this thing with some red S on it. Anyway, and the, the guy, she just kept trying to get him to do it. I'm just watching it. Finally, she pulls out one of Armaya. Yeah. And the guy puts it on. He goes, yeah, this is it. And I could just see her go, damn it. But <laughs> anyway, it is. It's it's an individual thing, and you get you try them on. Yeah, you know. yeah. It just it just takes time. Yeah. Well, any any other uh, questions you guys want to hear here? Um, I think that question about carbon is kind of a good. That question. is kind of interesting. Um, where is that one? Basically, yes. Is there uh, oh yeah, is, is carbon safer than other materials, or strictly for weight benefits? It's not safer. I mean, it's 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 a good tool to use in certain situations. Um, you know, if, if I want to spread load more efficiently, um, strength to weight ratio and carbon is amazing, right? Yeah. Um, so it's really just lighter. It's not a safety thing. No, yeah, no. That's what I thought. Cause it's, it's not marketed as a safety thing. It's marketed as it's lighter. 
yeah, it, it's an amazing material. Obviously, I'm a big fan of it. Um, but for example, um, we we in some of our helmets uh, have something called super vent, and it's a it's a strengthening piece around a vent. And the idea of that is, if I want to make a large vent, um, I can spread the load over a greater area mm-hmm. and hit more foam. So it uses more foam by being now I'm talking stiffer for the first time instead of saying something yeah, yeah. softer, but at least because uh, for testing in a, a helmet engineer, uh, vents are a nightmare. They're the ones yeah. that create all the failures. Right. And so if we want to have large vents, um, you, you're right on the line of whether your helmet's going to stay together when you crash. So, um, you know, ha- having tools like that will help you, um, you in fact, the helmet you wore today has these super vents. These are not yeah, carbon yeah. ones, but they are they're a little bit stiffer material. And the idea is to help um, that load on an impact spread to the foam. Hmm. Carbon is not the be-all, end-all. That yeah. comes from a long-time huge fan and an aerospace engineer. It looks engineer. so cool, man. It does look good. I mean, when you look at our new, our new motorcycle line, it's drool-worthy. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but it does shave weight, right? I mean, it, it does. Absolutely. In a big full face and, helmet, it shaves yep, weight. Yeah. For sure. In the full face. Yeah. And that should, could go back to your point of a, a lighter leverage. Yep. Right. Keep. So, yeah. Less lever arm, less. Could be safer in scenarios. It, it, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mainly see it as like a full face or, you know. Are, are there any half shells with carbon? I don't think so. At least not that I've seen. We we use it in a few places uh, across some bridges. Um, kind of helps keep everything together, and um, but it's it just jacks the price up yeah. in, a, in a bicycle yeah, helmet. So I, I mean, so we have a helmet called the Grit. Um, that's a good kind of a, a road leaning helmet or gravel. Um, and we decided to do a, a carbon version, you know, and it's just like we're we're trying to get the cost into work right so the grit's about a 200 hundred dollar helmet so f- right now with the carbon piece in it's like 300 bucks and i'm like why would you spend that extra money you know because it's cool you know yeah. but yeah. yeah it's not it's not the be all end all yeah yeah gotta match your back your, your bike right uh, yeah. <laughs> carbon, no, carbon bike carbon. Gotta, gotta look cool gotta man look cool man uh wow I don't know I think that I think we've covered a lot of helmet things yeah um, what color is fastest oh I like that one <laughs> chartreuse chartreuse whoa do nice. you use watermelons as test dummies we do not <laughs> would Jeff's hair impact the safety of a helmet <laughs> don't I have built in mips with my poofy <laughs> white man fro uh there has been that accusation been made I'm gonna stand on the sideline on that one <laughs> Lawyer talk. Dodge, dodge. What 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 hair gel do you use? That, that's, that's, that's natural. That, that's called no, no shampoo. shampoo. You didn't even wash it. Yeah. That's the crazy part. I wash it with water. It's perfectly you reasonable. Wear a helmet because it is so impressively effective. Yeah. <laughs> did, you watch, did you ever watch? Did you ever watch? Yeah. Disclaimer. That part disclaimer. was a joke. Was a joke. Did you ever yeah, watch Scrubs? 
that uh, I've, I'm familiar like with it, but not, shows yeah. on Comedy Central. Um, there was a scene in there where the main character had this thing, and he's like, "Oh, it's called a hairnet," and it had it was a helmet with this massive thing off the top, and it was you're supposed to wear it as a helmet that didn't mess up your hair. <laughs> <laughs> I do not remember that. You don't remember that? No. It was, yeah, just just put in Scrubs hairnet, maybe it'll pop up. Who knows? It was one one episode, but I thought it was hilarious because um, the guy was all about his hair, and I was like, "Oh, you know what." I bet someone would buy that if that was a real product. <laughs> Maybe it is on AliExpress. <laughs> Guess who it is. It probably is. Don't buy that. Not right. safe. Well, Brad, thank you very much. Appreciate your time and, and for coming down here. Thanks uh, for the ride. It's, yeah, it's been a you. pleasure. Yeah, I'm glad it you enjoyed great. it. Yeah. And uh, I, I think a lot of the, our listeners, if not every single one of them, will be stoked to have listened to all of this and learned more about helmet and helmet technology. Um, and by the way, if you are listening right now, if you want to check out Cali Helmets, it's K-A-L-I. Uh, just type in that K-A-L-I Helmets into the Google machine and you will find it um, and see what they have to offer and all that sort of stuff. Any last words, Brad? Oh, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a good time. Yeah, cool. Thank Thanks you. again. Thanks for coming down. And uh, thank you all for listening to episode 100. We will talk to you guys next time. Love you. Bon voyage. Bon voyage.